Welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner, and along with Kristen Chase, I'm the co-founder of CoolMomPicks.com. Kristen is out today, but I'm so excited to be joined by Catherine Goldstein again to talk about the importance of community, coaching, and mentorship for women, especially today. Something I really care about, and I'm excited to hear her perspective on that. And of course, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. So let me tell you a little bit about Catherine. If you don't already know, Catherine Goldstein is an award-winning journalist and media entrepreneur. And you may remember her from episode 213 of Spawned, how the pandemic is screwing working moms. It's actually still worth a listen for sure, because I'm not sure how much has changed since then. She was also in episode 157 talking about working mom guilt. It's not you, it's the system. And you may know Catherine for her podcast, The Double Shift, and for her expert opinions about workplace equity and the issues facing women and caregivers, which have appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Atlantic, and on WNYC and NPR. She has a track record for conversation-setting work, such as viral New York Times op-ed, The Open Secret of Anti-Mom Bias in the Workplace, plus articles like American Moms, Let's Stop Feeling Guilty and Start Getting Mad, Stop Saying Mothers Dropped Out of the Workplace When We Were Pushed, and It's Time to Retire the Phrase Working Mom. You also might remember these because I think I've probably shared them all personally on Twitter at some point. She's also the author of the recent article in the Huffington post, which we're going to talk about called There's a Coach for That. And that's what we'll be discussing today. So we can jump right in. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me back. I am so glad you're joining the Three for Club. I know. I feel like very honored. I just keep having wonderful things to share with the uh, Spawn community. You really do. I mean, it's a very small and very noble club. You should be very (laughs) proud to be inducted. We'll send your uh, trophy and your $10 gift card in the mail. (laughs) So first of all, when I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago, I said I wanted to invite you to kind of tell your own story to start with, because so much has changed in your life since we last spoke. Job, twins, podcast. Can you just tell us a little bit about what's going on with you? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm trying to place exactly in time when we spoke. I think last spoke, I think we spoke during, it was the pandemic. Yeah. So it's only been two years. It feels like 20. So I now have two-year-old twins, a six and a half-year-old, and I'm sort of in a place of grappling with my own career as a journalist in a really difficult media industry. Mm-hmm. And also just, you know, what the reality personally, professionally, that mothers have been through in the last two years. I feel like I've experienced a lot of those things myself. And as well, like unpacking the myth and relearning the truth that I do not believe that women and mothers can have it all in our society and sort of thinking about how the pandemic has really laid bare our sort of frayed social safety net and so many flaws in our society and how it's structured and sort of what that can mean personally as a business person and a journalist and a mom and someone who wants to have impactful meaning in my work. I mean, I think a lot of people are grappling with these big questions and I cover a lot of these things and I'm living them too. Well, I I really responded to that honesty and vulnerability in your article, even though it's a you know very helpful, well-researched article, you talk about how you were running a personally meaningful but financially unsustainable small business. Yes. And that essentially you just couldn't keep going as it was. That must be really hard. I think a lot of women are in that place right now where they had what they thought was a passion project or a side hustle. And at what point do you realize like, I just 
can't do this right now. Yeah. So I was running the Double Shift podcast as a small business and, you know, one that I think had tremendous meaning and impact for me. And I think for our listeners and trying to do real journalism and reporting and storytelling, challenging the status quo of motherhood. And I feel like that is, you know, after three years, still a very unique proposition. And I'm really proud of what we've accomplished. But at some point, I think that the pandemic has also, for me, laid bare the idea that it's not just one more push through and then things are going to get better or like we just have a little bit more to do or one little tweak and things will be more sustainable. Like I think a lot of us have had to say to ourselves, if what I'm doing is not sustainable for me in some way right now, there's no promise that things are necessarily changing or getting better you know, life is always changing, but taking stock of our circumstances, I think is really important and something that I've had to do. And I think, you know, a lot of women want to do work they're passionate about and it's meaningful for them. And that can often be in direct conflict with capitalism, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Well, or just the basics, right? Like paying your rent or buying food, (laughs) like the very basic things we need to live in most societies. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly ironic and I almost don't have the words for it when you first announced this, that I thought you've spent all these years lifting up women to help share the plight of the struggle only to come around and say that you yourself were facing that struggle and had to just make changes in your own life also. Yeah. I mean, I always joke that I live my art and I <laughs> I do. And I'm still very committed to ideas around challenging the status quo and doing meaningful reporting and storytelling around issues that are facing mothers. But for me, it was more about re-envisioning the medium. So mm. the podcast in the way it existed was really labor intensive and expensive to make because I had a number of people working on it with me. So now I'm shifting more back to my original medium, which is writing in the form of a newsletter. And also I'm able to now have the bandwidth to spend a lot more time thinking about community and the double shift member community, which we have, and I want to continue to grow. And also I want to do more writing for like national outlets and sort of get my thinking out there in other ways. So I think that that's another thing. Like sometimes the mission isn't the problem. It's the medium or what the unsustainable piece may be. So that's sort of what I'm toying with right now is to keep the work going in a way that isn't as expensive and isn't as completely time consuming for me. I I find that actually really encouraging because I think sometimes people think like, oh, I'm just giving up on my dream as opposed to like, I just have to change the way I approach the things that are meaningful to me. That's why I also really liked this article about coaching. You know, we talk so much about the importance of the community of women lifting each other up and leaning on friends and mentors, but really you took it a step further and looked into a coach. And I'm wondering, what did you find about the idea of coaching to support women as they make changes? Well, so I became interested in coaching as an industry because I started to notice there were a lot of people who were declaring themselves coaches. Yeah, I've noticed that too. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I think if anyone who's on social media or follows a lot of mom accounts or people like that, there's a lot of coaches now. And I'm most curious, like, why is that? Like, what does it take to be a coach? Why is this such a growing industry? Why do people want to be coaches? Why do people want to be coached? Like, I think that those are the kinds of questions that 
of the journalists that are really interesting to me. And I am a huge believer in community. I'm a huge believer in the idea that we can get value from working with people and that I don't think we should all have to do it all alone. But the thing that gives me pause and that I sort of examine in the article is that you don't have to have any training or certification to call yourself a coach. It's an Mm. unregulated industry. So anybody can say they're a coach with any amount or lack of credential. Is there any kind of credential? Like if you're a professional organizer, you can be accredited by the Professional Organizer Association. Is there anything like that? Like some kind of stamp of approval or nothing at all? Yes, there is the International Coaching Federation and they do offer certifications and a credential, but it's not really an industry standard yet. And there's no like governing body of any kind. It's not like a real estate license or something. No, you really have to have standardized requirements and accomplishments and be knowledgeable. And that's really interesting. Exactly. So basically anyone, if you declare yourself a coach, you are a coach. That's obviously in a time where so many people are needing support and guidance and help because we've all been through so much. That's obviously an area I think of a bit of a concern in terms of people not getting taken advantage of or not necessarily getting bad advice or people sort of being led astray. That said, I do think there are a lot of great coaches out there that are really helping people and making a difference in people's lives. It's just an interesting industry and it's largely dominated about 70% of coaches in the U.S. are women. And in my research, I found a lot of it is catered to women because women are feeling so sort of left out and marginalized out of our structures. And they're looking for people to help support them in their careers or starting a business or navigating corporate America. So a lot of it is kind of that help with the navigation of a society that doesn't support us, basically. (laughs) Always comes back to that, right? Yeah. Like the opportunity for women in coaching comes from the fact that we're not getting support in other ways. So then how do you know if you can benefit from a coach? Like what happens in a coaching session that you don't get from friends or reading articles online or something that's more self-taught or organic? I mean, I think people who are interested in this should explore those things first books or things online. But I think the idea of a coach is that they help you set goals and good coaches do a lot of active listening and sort of help you in self-inquiry about like what may be next. And as I found, and the article's title implies, there are coaches who specialize in literally every topic. So it's not just like life coach and business coach. It's more granular. Oh my gosh. There are marketing coaches, there are success coaches, there are love coaches, there are relationship coaches, there are space decluttering coaches, anti-racist coaches. They're literally anything you can think of. There's a coach for that. So I think finding someone who's aligned with what your general goals are is helpful. But, you know, having something really specific you want to work on, a career transition, a new skill, taking a business to a new direction, those can often be something coaches can help with. But generally, you're working with coaches for some limited amount of time. It's not necessarily an open-ended thing. And hopefully, there's some sort of stated goals and benchmarks. And a lot of coaches are kind of action oriented. But I think a lot of people right now are dealing with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. I definitely have dealt with mental health issues over the course of pandemic. I kind of feel like anyone with a conscience and like an awareness of what's going on in the world. A modicum of self-awareness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like (laughs) probably has had some hard mental health moments over the last two years, but coaches are not trained mental health professionals. And it's 
really not a substitute for a licensed therapist. And I do worry that people who are suffering in other ways are sort of seeking coaching out as sort of pseudotherapy. And that could really be harmful. Oh, that's really helpful. Well, first of all, I'm really glad I'm talking to you about this because you are not a coach. Let me be clear. And so no. you're approaching this journalistically. You're not here to like sell us yes. the idea of coaching. You're helping me no. understand better what it is and whether you need it. So I really, really appreciate your perspective. And I know from the article how much research you've done. So I'm wondering, like if women are hitting a crossroads in life right now, or <laughs> let's say we all are hitting a crossroads in life right now, right. when women hit a crossroads, and they're at the point where they're like, I need help. How do you know whether what you need is coaching or therapy or just some other kind of mentorship? Yeah, those are really good questions. And also, you know, it's really hard because sometimes some people might say, oh, I think I need therapy. And then they find out every therapist is booked for six months. And that feels really demoralizing because obviously there's a really high demand for mental health services. I, yeah, I would yeah. say that figuring out what you need, are you lonely? Do you and feel like you need more connection to people because I think that's something that a lot of us are going through and that might not necessarily need to come from a coach that can come from other kinds of community engagement or re-engaging with friends or, you know, starting to do more in-person gatherings, listing for yourself a little bit, like what are the big areas that you feel like you need the most support on? Is it specifically around a career transition? Is it specifically that you feel like you have a lot to talk about? One of the things that I bring bring up in the article is like, what's the difference between a coach and a friend? And are we seeking out coaches because like we haven't invested enough in our friendships? <laughs> like wow. that's actually something that I'm interested in. And I think is like a really valid question. But at the same time, like I have a really close friend who I talk about tons of stuff with and she's a doctor and I'm a journalist. So if I have like really specific media oriented business questions, like she might not really be the best person to talk through that with. Right. So you're getting expertise and you're getting objectivity yes. in a way that, you know, a friend is there to just support you. And sometimes yes. friends mean well, but maybe aren't giving the best career advice. Right. I might be meeting up with a friend who I do think has really good business insight. And then we're like having lunch and like, I'm thinking, oh, I want to talk to her about this business idea. But then we end up talking about her divorce because that's what your friendship <laughs> yeah. is. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. just the nature of a friendship. Right. When you're paying for it, you get to talk about what you want to talk about. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> if you have specific goals and you want that objectivity and you want that focus. And also, you know, you want that dedicated hour once a month or every two weeks or whatever that can really be helpful. That can also focus you. I know when I'm paying for something, like I want to get the most out of my money. So like, I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to be more prepared necessarily than like chatting with a friend. Those are some of the ways I think coaching can be beneficial, but at the same time, all of the research raised the question for me, like coaching seems like such a American capitalist 2022 response to feeling like lost and lonely, like that we have to pay someone to help us. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. are there other communities that we can invest in and feel connected to? So it's not just about a commodified relationship. Like, it's not that I don't think there's any place for coaches, but the larger question that I'm interested in is what are other communities that we can invest our time into and maybe some money into that are sort of mutually beneficial rather than sort of here's a person I pay for advice. Tell me what that looks like. What are you envisioning or what are you hoping for? I mean, I'm really obsessed with community building. And I think that capitalism like can't buy you a community. The only thing that can get you a community is investing the time in it. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. And that is hard for people. That's hard as we think about how time strapped and busy and spread thin we are. But part of my sort of vision for communities is that if we invest in communities, we can be less time strapped and spread thin because we have a larger safety net in terms of the community around us. It's a chicken egg problem, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, you found this magical group that feeds every aspect of your personality. In my newsletter, I've written about just the idea of like investing in existing communities. I'm really enthusiastic about going all in on my local Jewish community center, which has like lots of programming and lots of ways to like connect with people and investing in existing organizations and not necessarily thinking you have to like reinvent the wheel and find these magical things is really a start to better integrating ourselves into like our local community ecosystems. I just love that this all comes back to the need for women to support women in all the ways that we can now more than ever, because a lot of women at whatever phase of life they're in, whether they have kids or not, or how old their kids are, I'm just hearing this consistently from so many women. I'm sure you are as well. And clearly we need each other as much as possible these days. Yes, that's definitely a takeaway from the article. We desperately need each other. We desperately need community. And I would love to see more and more ways to do that that aren't just like transactional relationships. Ah, I love that. That's amazing. So listen, let me just tell you, last question, what's next for you? Yes, what's next for me? I'm sitting around. (laughs) You're asking me. (laughs) Yes, Liz, what's next for me? What do you recommend? So yeah, I'm very excited about, I'm revamping my newsletter, which is going to be coming out weekly. I just signed up. I signed up. Oh, good. Yay. Yes, it's at the doubleshift.com slash newsletter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I'm redoing my site and going to be coming out with weekly newsletters. And it's going to be about motherhood and, you know, centering the experiences of mothers, but it's also going to be more largely about, you know, the forces that shape family life in America and a lot of these issues of community and building a more just world and like actually trying to envision positive futures because I know I need that a little bit right now. So that will sort of be the focus in the newsletter. And then I'm also just excited about growing our membership community at the Double Shift. We have a great membership community that came out of the podcast, but sort of continuing to foster a community that's interested in social change and how we think about families and changing workplaces. And it's not about finding the right sippy cup as a solution to your problems, but like understanding how capitalism plays into what's difficult about being a mother in the 21st century and offering curiosity and not judgment and really continuing to center storytelling. So I'm excited to see how that evolves. Well, I'm excited too. Anything you get involved with, I always like. I'll just say that. No pressure, but... (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. I love that. (laughs) Let me know where else we can find you besides going to the doubleshift.com slash join and setting up for the newsletter. Where are the best places to follow you or find you on social media these days? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at K-G-E-E-E and Instagram at the doubleshift. But I am definitely... I have a lot of thoughts about big tech and social media and you may be seeing me less and less on those platforms. So the newsletter is the best way to get my real thoughts. Well, fair so enough. I'll just say that. I'll be sharing more about that. Actually, that's like a whole nother podcast. I, I'm already planning out episodes four and five with you, Catherine. Yeah. So we're, I'm like taking yes. furious notes. Like when can we book her to talk about this and that and the community? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, it's so great having you as always. And I'm so glad that you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week for some people. It is their favorite part of the podcast. I would say, you know, they're of equal importance to me, but you're our guest. So you get to go first and it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. 
Catherine, what's cool to you right now? Okay. So for my cool pick of the week, I am going to shout out my wonderful collaborator, Angela Garbez has a new book coming out in May and it's called Essential Labor, Mothering as Social Change. Wow. Yes. So just like marinate on that title for a second. I'm already like literally (laughs) typing it in now, like add to cart. (laughs) Yeah. It is an amazing book. It's part memoir. It also charts the history of care work through her own family in the Philippines, which was really like seen as basically an American colony that was meant to provide care workers for America. And it also just looks at both, you know, in a really big picture way, but also in a concrete way, like how the way we mother as a verb, which can also be gender neutral in raising our children can create activism and social change and revolution. And I think that she's such a brilliant thinker. And this is like so much of what we need beyond the sort of quick advice and how to's in like a really beautiful, big picture way of thinking about how essential our work is and how, you know, it is essential in shaping the future in politically radical ways. Oh my gosh. You could be like her PR person. That's phenomenal. I know. Well, I love (laughs) Angela so much. This is is a non-paid. No, this is, (laughs) look, this is the ultimate women's support supporting women, right? Yes, you are lifting yeah. her up and sharing something that could benefit all of us. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's an amazing book. And also like apparently like pre-ordering books. I, I've never written a book. I aspire to write a book someday, but pre-ordering books is like, you know, when charities like if you donate now, we'll get like a three times match fund, like pre-ordering the book is mega influential. So you can like really be a book influencer if you pre-order books for people. <laughs> Yes. So, yes. That's a great pick. I love it. Thank yeah. you. And right on brand. Yes. <laughs> yes, totally. Well, it's interesting because my cool pick kind of leads off of something you said, which is about moving away from social media. So I want to give a shout out. There's an incredible community for women called Two Night, T-U-E-N-I-G-H-T, as in Tuesday night, but Two Night. And it was started by a woman named Margaret Detweiler, who I met years ago. We were on a panel together in Brooklyn and we connected and she's built this amazing community. And it's particularly for women over 40 and Gen Xers and what they call grown-ass women, grown-ass ladies. (laughs) And one of the things they did recently is they moved off of their very thriving Facebook group and community to move people towards, they still have Instagram and, you know, they're still on social media, but they really are focused on their website. And especially they have a Substack, They have a newsletter, Mm -hmm. which I like very much. It's just a wonderful community to subscribe to. I think they're really cool. They're funny. They're smart. And it makes you feel, if you're on the other side of 40, like, life is not over. Like there's so many cool women doing cool things. Also, I just want to give a shout out because they interviewed me a couple of weeks ago. They have um, what they call the to-do list and they interview different women and ask you some questions. And then they have something called the two-night 10 where they ask you like, what's on your nightstand or what are you listening to? We were talking about that earlier. Like, what are you listening to on your playlist? And I'm like, oh, am I supposed to have a playlist? You know, is there something you miss or who was your 80s or 90s crush? Anyway, it's really fun. I can link that up on our podcast page. I was glad they featured me because I'm such a fan of the site and the community. And it's a great place to join to find like-minded women of all kinds. It's incredibly diverse and I really appreciate what they do. Oh, I love that recommendation. I'm not yet 40, but I'm getting very close to that magic turning point. I I will say there's definitely women in their 30s in the group because I, you know, I recognize some of them. I think it's just for people who feel like grownups and they're less interested in whatever was appealing in your 20s or they have kids or they're, you know, they're 
they're just kind of moving on to that next stage of life and trying to embrace it best they can. Also, I really love reading from the women in there in like their 60s and 70s who are ahead of me in life and showing that they're still going. They're still rocking life. I find it like a, a place that's kind of needed on the internet and I really enjoy them. I also love this because I feel like multiple women that I've interviewed for the double shift have said when they turned 40, they like really came into their power. And so I'm really personally thinking about the 40s as like my power decade. And so I just, Ooh, I, I love, love that. this recommendation. Well, yeah. I will tell you, it's funny because one of the questions, I'll give you a hint. I still think you should subscribe, but if you want to read a hint from an interview, they have a section called Beyond the Bio where they asked me like, tell me about once you hit 40 and like what that means. And what I said was that it's a cliche that once you hit 40, you care less about what people think about you, that you're free to live mm -hmm. your best life and blah, blah, blah. I said, that's not entirely true. I think it's more accurate to say, I just care about different things that people think about me. Like I'm thinking mm -hmm. about how I want to be remembered or did I raise halfway decent kids or did I leave the world a little better than when I found it? I'm not really concerned about what people think about my boobs. <laughs> so right. um, I think we always, to some degree, we do care what people think, but that really shifts. And when you hit 40, we'll have a really good talk about that too. Ooh, so that'll be yay. a podcast five or six for you. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our incredible guest, Catherine Goldstein, and of course, to our awesome engineer, John Bowen. If you've got a moment and can leave us a review, you know how we like those five-star reviews. They are very kind and very thoughtful and they really help us. And we greatly appreciate your effort, your time, your encouragement, and your support. You can also join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, search for at Cool Mom Picks. We're pretty much anywhere you are. And we always love to hear from you and what else you'd like to hear about on Spawn. In any case, this is Liz. Hopefully Kristen will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to Spawn. Have a great day.